the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome to tonight's Andrew K. Show. It is Friday Eve. My name is Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I'm in a good mood tonight. I'll tell y'all why I'm in a good mood in a minute, even though we had some really sad news at the start of the morning. I'm just, oh, first of all, I'm always in a glad, a good mood when I get to come in and share this time with you guys every night of the week. I get to be with the best people in the world, the listeners out there. I got a really long email from a listener this morning. I'm Hopefully I'll have some time to, to read that to you guys later and get your perspective on that. Uh, it's these are extraordinary times we're living in my friends Fauci is back with more comrade Fauci's back with more demands oh we've got a lot to talk about Trump dropped the mother of all tweet bombs today babies right at the same time that there was a political rally going on masquerading itself as a funeral we got lots to talk about tonight and I'm glad to, to have you guys with me 888-344-1170 question of the night did you see the the tweet from trump today that's got everybody in an uproar which is typically what trump's attempt is when he when he says something this controversial however he does it via twitter or other mechanism what are your thoughts on his tweet about with a question mark about should we move the election back we're going to get into it and give a little analysis later but i want to hear from you because you're really why i do the show i want i want to get your thoughts on that 888-344-1170 follow me on twitter at andrea k show on instagram at andrea k show i'm kind of on parlor but kind of not i haven't fallen in love with it yet i'm certainly not gone as far as fauci has suggested where people hook up on tinder i have not i have not followed the fauci plan with the parlor yet um uh, we are streaming live on facebook right now even though facebook sent me for hydroxychloroquine even though Zuckerberg is out there telling the world that you know he's he's a defender of free speech uh, we're we are streaming live right now on Facebook at the answer San Diego and join our little we're also at our little private group called Kaniacs K-A-Y-E N-I-A-C-S and joining me this hour as always later on we've got Lowell Ponte who will be back because Trump also was controversial this week with uh, a housing plan of his which I think is absolutely brilliant going into right now with the economic situation we're in going into this election we're going to talk about that and more tonight and the man who's with me every night of the week is the man the myth the legend it's dj potato skins i think they might have left dj DJ off the manifesto but it'll be back winning 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 Trump's definitely winning with his tweets. Did not see the blockbuster tweet, so I can't wait for you to tell me what it is. Well, before we get into that, we're going to get in that a little bit. It had to do with the election. Um, we did. Uh, today is a day to remember an icon, to remember an American patriot, an American hero who lived his life in an extraordinary manner, 
rose to extraordinary success in this country by recognizing its value, by recognizing that in spite of its flaws, that it's the greatest country in the face uh, in, in the history of the world. And and his name did not start with John or end with Lewis. Of course, I'm referring to what I consider to be a real American patriot and hero. And that is Herman Cain. I, I I was especially sad, I, I, and I've been thinking about why did this bother me so much? Why, where did my affection for Herman Cain come from? Was it just his charm? Because the man was absolutely just had oozed charm and charisma, just had it in, in spades. Was it his amazing smile that he had? I mean, his smile was almost Antonio Gates level smile. And you San Diegans know what I mean when I refer to the Antonio Gates. You're not a football fan, DJ Potato Skins, but you charge fans you know there there's very i'm not but you know what i'm actually gonna go on a limb larry elder's got a great smile too yeah but i mean there's smile he does have a great smile but there's smiles and then there's the herman cain antonio gates level smile um it his his wit his just his intellect his class herman cain just oozed class and i think in part what i what i responded to so much the first time i ever saw herman cain was that he reminded me of so many people that i worked with in corporate america he was corporate america to me i did my time in corporate america at the same time he was in corporate america while he was in the food industry and i was in technology at xerox and pitney bowes management services i'll talk about that in a little bit because it's kind of related to trump's tweet today he just i i felt like i i felt like we understood each other because if you were in corporate america in the 90s in this country and you know what it takes you know what it took in the 90s to make it in corporate america and to make it to his level and this was a man he died today at 74 he was one of the earliest african-americans ceos and he did not have that given to him because some somebody was was burning down buildings chanting black lives matter built this, it on his own he built it on his own he was the American dream. This was a man who did it from hard work. He saw opportunity. He looked, he could have, this was a man who became an adult at a time. He, he was an adult and, and launched his career before he was even allowed to vote in this country. And he could have sat back and laid uh, and cried and whined and moaned about the imperfections of this country. Instead, he did what others People in his generation that I worked with in corporate America that rose to the top because what they did was instead of sitting around whining and complaining all day long, worked they, their butt off. they worked their butt off. They said, well, where are the areas of opportunity in this country? Where can I go to maximize my income instead of going and, you know, I, they, they go into sales and, and corporate America because that's where really where you can leverage your income. That's where you can go. That's one. And that's one of the reasons why I switched my major from political science to business because I got a job selling timeshare in the French Quarter and I was like, what am I going to do with this poli sci major? I can leverage my income. I can I can earn more. I'm not I'm not as boxed in if I go into sales in corporate America. So I I don't want to get uh, going too far about me, but that's one of the reasons why he just he resonated with me. And then just as an individual, then when it came to politics, because he was in corporate America, he he lived and understood why liberalism was a failure from a policy standpoint. He understood how small business and business in general was the lifeblood of this country, why the free market capitalist system and individual liberty and individual responsibility and individual ac- accountability was the greatest system in the world. And that's really why he why he became a Republican. And, you know, uh, and he and his story should be heralded today. And, and I did not hear. We're going to talk a little bit about this 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 disgusting display that happened at what was supposed to be a funeral today 
And I did not hear any of those people, whatever you want to think about, uh, uh, about John Lewis, where was the left today celebrating this man? This this African-American man who, in spite of the, his generation, look at what he achieved. No, they want to tear down the Herman Cain's. They don't want to celebrate. It's like Candace Owens said, where the, she said about the African-American community. She said, we're the only community that lifts up and makes a hero out of somebody like George Floyd and then tramples the legacy of somebody like a Herman Cain, uh, a, a, a Clarence Thomas. They want to they want to trample that or a Ben Carson. They want to disrespect them. They want to call them Uncle Toms. And by the way, this is a reminder that as we go into this election season, now more than ever, everybody needs to, because Herman Cain is featured in that movie, Uncle Tom. This is the message the left doesn't want you focused on. No, they want you watching this funeral today as they politicized it over John Lewis. And you know what? I wasn't going to say anything today. I was going to keep my mouth shut. But you know what? Here's what I have to say about John Lewis. I heard today that he wrote a letter, an essay that was to be read at his funeral. So he planned this at a time in which the Americans' lives have been destroyed in mass over coronavirus in a Marxist scheme intended to destroy us. This is Cloward Piven in action. While my own fam, people that I love dearly, could not go visit a loved one, Aunt Novice, as she was dying in advance, have not been able to plan a funeral for Aunt Novice. They're able to go en masse. It, it, was, it was a blatant mocking. It was spitting in the face of Americans. I'm supposed to celebrate this person who did this, who, know, who knew he was going to pass away and planned this event while Americans suffer? Americans can't do this. You can't go to church on Sunday. You can't bury your loved one and have a, and have a service like this. This was such a, a spitball in the face of the Americans, including George W. Bush, who was there today as well. I was aghast. And I'm not even getting into the comments that were made today. And, of course, they're up there talking about mail-in balloting and pushing all kinds of their their political crap. Let me tell you, you know what? You blew it with that, Obama, because if you all could be there today, you got no excuse for why. If people have to do any kind of mail-in ballot, which is why Trump tweeted out what he did today, because he blew it all up in your faces today. This funeral today was the equivalent of the congressional hearing with Bill Barr, where they might as well have thrown a cement milkshake in his face today. This funeral today, in my opinion, threw a cement milkshake in Herman Cain's face, as well as every other American who's lost a loved one, who wants to go to church, wants to celebrate a loved one, or just wants to open up a business and live their lives. The message from us today was, ha, we're the elites. We get to go about and do whatever we want to do with a mask, without a mask. We get, we get to go about our lives and do whatever we want to do. And by the way, any of us still in government, we're collecting a paycheck while you little idiot peasants are out there begging for relief from the government. That was the message I got today from this. And I resent it. We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to talk about the tweet that tr- Trump uh, dropped today. I'm going to continue to remember Herman Cain, the legend, the American patriot and hero that he was, who uh, did radio here on Salem Network, by the way. We love you, Herman Cain. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Well, I'm probably not going to get invited to many establishment gatherings because my message to them is quite simply get over it. 
I mean, Donald Trump has, he, I think he made some very good comments last night doing his acceptance speech of when he was basically talking. The establishment needs to get over it. Secondly, Donald Trump, he did disin, disinvow uh, some of the things about David Duke and the KKK, but they didn't, they didn't report that. They wanted to only focus on he didn't use exactly the same words. So I believe that the establishment needs to get over it and just allow the people to speak. And so far, 285 delegates, that's not a fluke. Get over it, establishment. That's right. Get over it, establishment. Thank you for playing that quote. Because, you know, we got these never Trumpers out there today responding to tweet to Trump's tweet today. I'm not interested in what you people what you people have to say. And Trump isn't either. And, you know, you know what this tweet from today reminds me of. And and and, and I wish Herman Cain was was going to be around What's to that? respond to it. It's, it's Trump of 2016 again. It's it's the Trump of 2016. Um, uh, one more thing I want to say about um, Her- Herman Cain before I move on from that and actually get into the details of the, of the tweet is immediately the left had to rush to try to blame Trump for his death and saying that Herman Cain was at a rally and told Oh, I didn't hear that. Seriously? Without a mask. And, you know, he was pressured to be there and without a mask. And he fell sick nine days ago. Let me tell you something. You cannot have any respect for Herman Cain. If you think, what do you think, that he was dragged there against his will? In fact, that just shows what a patriot he was. This was a man, he was exercising his free will, his choice. He knew he was uh, he was a high risk uh, due to his age and the fact that he was a cancer survivor of late stage cancer. He was exercising his right as a patriot to go where he wanted to go and do it in whatever manner he wanted to do it, whether or not he wore a mask. Amen. So, you know, so, it, and, it, and we also don't know if that's even where he caught it, but if it was, he was living his life as he chose to do it and you're going to blame trump for his death that that doesn't even make sense it's absolutely ridiculous it's it's absolutely scurrilous and you know um Herman Cain is just going to be sorely missed. We need that voice, uh, the the pro-America, pro-Trump, anti-establishment voice, because Herman Cain understood policy. He understood business policy better than anybody. In fact, I loved his candidacy in 2011. One, loved, of, one of my I, favorites in 2012. I, I loved his 999 plan. So let's get into the tweet that dusted it up. Oh, um, I can't wait because I haven't seen this yet. Well, um, it... it, it, it there's a lot of speculation as to why he did it, because, of course, the never Trumpers had to come out and say, oh, even Mitch McConnell. Oh, Trump, you're crazy. How could you do this? You don't have the right to to you don't have the right to to control elections. Here's what he said. Shoot. See if I can find it. Um, he he I don't know why I can't. he tweeted out today about mail in. Let me see if I can find it. The glory of live radio. I know. I got I got all my I've got all my analysis of the tweet, but don't actually Twitter have didn't censor you, did they, Andrea? <laughs> he says with universal mail in voting, parentheses, not absentee voting, which is good, twenty twenty will be the most inaccurate bold letters, inaccurate and fraudulent election in history. It will be a great embarrassment to the USA. And then this is the question. Then he then he says this with question marks at the end. Delay the election until people can properly, securely and safely vote, question mark. So, of course, the establishment, including the left, went hysterical. Trump's see, this is what we worried about. Oh, my gosh. This is Trump being fascist. He's he's trying to he's trying to take over this country. And uh, he posed the question. It was brilliant. This is he and 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 I believe, and this is even according to Biden. Trump sent this tweet out at the time that Obama was out there on the stage pushing mail-in balloting. 
This was a brilliant move. He's not trying to control the elections. He's, he's posing a question to the American people. If, because of the coronavirus, we can't have people feeling safe enough to go and vote, then maybe we shouldn't have the election at all. It, we actually, in sales, we call this the takeaway close. Oh, really? You got such a problem with this? Well, you know what? I'm just going to take it away from you. Oh, well, no, no, no. You can't do that. Okay, let's go ahead and have the election. Do you see what he, do you see what he was saying here? If you're so fearful that uh, of of holding an election that people can't go to the polls, so much so that you're willing to completely destroy the integrity of the election, then maybe we shouldn't have the election at all. He's just putting them in their place. That's all he's doing. He, yeah, he's backing them into a corner. He's backing them into a corner because the solution cannot be to have. And and he went on to say, he went on to say today, in, in follow up when he was asked about it in the press conference, he says, I don't want to delay. I want to have the election, but I also don't want to wait for three months and then find out that the ballots are all missing and the election doesn't mean anything. And that's what's going to happen. So here's your choice, basically, he's saying to America. We need to have this. So what he's saying is we need to have this election on November 3rd because the option of what these people are pushing is a fraudulent election. He went on to say that I don't want to see an election. They say the projected winter winner, and then we've got litigation, and then you never know who really won the election. But that's exactly what the left wants with this mail-in balloting. He, there was actually at his press conference today, he actually cited other studies and other articles. He held up, um, he held up a Wall Street Journal article entitled New York's Mail Vote Disaster, as well as a CBS News article entitled Vote by Mail Experiment Reveals Potential Problems Within Postal Voting System Ahead of November Election. So by what did he do? He, he dropped the bomb, got everybody to focus on the very real issue of mail-in balloting. Had he not tweeted that out today, nobody would be focused on the reality of the potential complete destruction of any integrity when it comes to a presidential election. People need to be able to walk into the polls, bottom line. That's it. And as, as somebody tweeted out today, if you, you look at the lines outside Trader Joe's, you're, you look at, and, and who, and I don't know that many conservatives that vote at Trader Joe's. It's like Whole Foods. I don't see lines outside Ralph's, okay? These are liberals waiting in lines outside Whole Foods. You can wait in line to vote, Okay. You can you can have hundreds of thousands of protesters in the street for Black Lives Matter burning down buildings, beating people over the head with their collapsible uh, batons. Don't yammer to me that we can, that we have to have mail in voting because people it's not safe to go to the polls. Trump put them on the spot, backed them into a corner, revealed the hypocrisy for what it is. You and know, I know this is always a comparison, Andrea, but people can go to Walmart. That's right. That's right. People can stand there in a funeral today without a mask, yammering on and on and on, uh, uh, trying to compare Trump to George Wallace. You can get your heinies to the polls. That's the bottom line. And and, and a little bit back to my corporate experience. Let me tell you guys something else. I used to do mail and transportation studies for Pitney Bowes Management Services. And at the time when I did this, and, and 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 studies involving like I took over the mailroom at San Diego uh, Gas and, and Electric. I'm talking about I used to do I'm I'm talking about serious studies in mail and transportation, taking over large mail and transportation centers. The United States Post Office at the time, they considered they considered their success rate if they delivered 85% of the mail, they considered that success. 85% of the mail. Now mix voting into that. Yeah. Put voting into that. 
This is the USPS that right now thinks just delivering junk mail at an 85% success rate is a win for them. And you're going to hand the United States Post Office our election system. That's what you're doing. You're putting the integrity of the United States presidential election in the hands of the United States Post Office, the USPS, who considers 85% delivery a win. It's insane. This is absolutely insane. They want chaos. They want they want to they want to destroy this this election in November. They want to steal it from President Trump. Every bit of their attempts and and this is just this is the result of a variety of different ways in which the left has bastardized our election system from their ballot harvesting to I don't even like absentee ballots. I don't like machines. I want them to be, you know, I want it to be a hand ballot so that we've got a, we've got a hard copy record of it. The only people that should be able to do it is if you physically cannot make it to the polls. Even then, somebody should pick you up and take you there. We need to be doing everything that we can. The idea that we should be expanding ways that people can vote is a mistake. It needs to be tight, a tightly controlled process. And oh, by the way, one of the first things the Republicans should have done when we had both houses of Congress in the White House was voter ID law. Oh, that's well overdue. Well should, overdue. Should have been, been done. Um, okay, so... Um, I, 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 let's see if I had anything else to add on the tweet. You know, I, I know that um, many of the Republicans were upset about this. Supposedly, the former head of the Federalist Society came out against Trump and said he was a big Trump supporter. But now, oh, he actually uh, pushed, said that while he supported Trump in the 2016 election, that he's now supporting uh, Trump being impeached over this. You know what? My baloney meter went off the charts here. I don't believe anybody who voted for Trump in 2016, now based upon this tweet, is supporting impeachment. You're somebody, There's no way. You're somebody that didn't support Trump in 2016 you're somebody that herman cain was saying in 2016 you need to get over it okay we're going to take a break there's some another story today that had the left uh, in hysterics and it had to do with uh trump and um another tweet of his that says i'm happy to inform all the people living their suburban lifestyle dream that you will no longer be bothered or financially hurt by having low-income housing built in your neighborhood that was a tweet from yesterday (laughs) my man from 2016 is back babies and we're going to be back after this break so don't go away we'll be talking about this next Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And like her Facebook fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea K on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. Glad to have you guys here with me. Um, Trump also uh, created quite the stir. Before the break, we were talking about he dropped the mother of all bomb tweets uh today with his question hey you know uh instead of this mail-in balloting you guys pushing this mail-in balloting i'm paraphrasing here you guys pushing this mail-in balloting which is going to be nothing but you know turning our election into a fraudulent bag of of crap um you know maybe instead because you're so scared of the coronavirus maybe instead we should just push it back oh he stirred it up and uh, really brought the issue of, and, and as a result, brought the issue of mail-in balloting to the forefront. A tweet Wednesday from Trump brought the issue, which is a very real issue uh, for suburban suburban voters, to to the forefront with a tweet about lo- uh, that he's removing uh, the Obama era low-income housing plan that involves um, basically taking from communities 
and you know, oh, you you can't afford to move to Rancho Santa Fe. Okay, well, we're just gonna we're just gonna um, take some federal funds and and build some apartments, and so you can live there too. Is the plan? Joining me now to discuss this and more is our friend Lowell Ponty. Hello, Lowell. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Andrea, what a pleasure. Of course, this isn't anything new for the radical left. Under Bill Clinton's administration, you may remember, they were not providing good quality housing for poor people in San Diego. They were guaranteeing poor people that they would have equal housing, which meant they were taking federal money to provide poor people homes in La Jolla. Yeah. The jewel. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, homes that people work all their lives for and achieve to be able to buy, they were being given to the poor, which, of course, didn't exactly help the property values of people next door who had worked and paid for their house. Well, yeah, I mean, it's so it, it's it's absolutely outrageous. I, I come from poor people. My both of my parents joined the Marines to escape poverty. And one of the things that we used to love to do was uh, drive around and, and look at these beautiful mansions and homes that people lived in. And and my parents would do that because they wanted to inspire us as kids to dream big and think about a, a career choice that might enable us to, to get to a higher level even than they did. Uh, my parents did better than their parents before them. When my parents first bought a model, home. I mean, they were so proud of it because it was just, it was like a mansion compared to what they grew up in, right? And so it was instilled in me that if you wanted to to to, to live in these neighborhoods, if you wanted to live that life, if you wanted to have a certain lifestyle, you could, but you had to be willing to work hard enough for it. You could achieve it. The opportunity was there, but it wasn't going to be given to you. And the message now to African Americans is not the message that that uh, of a Herman Cain. It's a message of who 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 accepted responsibility for his life and saw opportunity and worked hard for it. It's that you know what? It's it's though anybody who lives in a nice neighborhood, they didn't earn it. They they stole that house from from off the backs of poor people, and now it's the government's job. You don't have to earn your way into that neighborhood. Now the government's going to take a piece of that neighborhood and give it to you. And I, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this issue today, Lowe's, is because I was at a Republican event yesterday, and there's a, there's one of these projects going up at the corner of Aleve and Hain and Rancho Santa Fe right now. And it's a major problem for the residents in that area from a traffic standpoint, from, from um, a property value standpoint and anybody who raises concern with it is just considered an evil nasty greedy greedhead oh sure and one of the things that barack obama wanted was his affirmative uh what is it affirmatively furthering fair housing was the ability to take federal control over city zoning so that no more single family unit houses could be built in san diego they'd all have to be on lots that could be converted into multiple person housing why well let me give you a quick thumbnail of the history of housing so you understand back in the beginning in the republic there was a huge split thomas jefferson hated cities he saw cities as cesspools of filth and corruption and degeneracy. He wanted a land of yeoman farmers and of suburbanites. He did not want a country run by big cities. Uh, Jefferson's attitude, of course, has been echoed down the ages as cities have gotten worse and worse. You notice that all these burnings and lootings and so on have been going on in Democrat-controlled big cities. Mm-hmm. California, by the way, there are only three megacities in the United States, as you know. They are Bosnia Wash, Cheap Hits, and San San. 
<laughs> Bosnia washes the continuous city from Boston through New York to Washington. I'm talking about environmental analysis, yes. of course. Cheap Pits is the continuous city from Chicago to Pittsburgh, and San San is the continuous city from San Francisco to San Diego. And they all act like big city units, for all intents and purposes, environmentally. But apart from those, we still are a country with a lot of law of small communities in it, and people flee to those communities precisely to get away from the degeneracy of big cities. That is what has driven liberals crazy. The problem is California acting as one big city in a sense. Mm -hmm. Democrats have, have put one-third of all the welfare recipients in the United States in California which is only a little more than 10% of the nation's population. We have a quarter of all the illegal aliens, more than a quarter of all the homeless people in America here. And people have fled the cities quite reasonably to come to beautiful places. I live in Carlsbad, for example. Mm -hmm. And Lovely. lo and behold, what this has done is left cities without much of a tax base. Mm -hmm. They do not like people moving beyond the reach of their tax collectors. So this entire Obama program was calculated to let the government reach out and grab into the pocket of people in the suburbs who otherwise could not be taxed by San Diego directly mm -hmm. or Los Angeles directly. Mm -hmm. And by this change in zoning, they're going to make suburban cities pay the cost of all the evil that's been done by big cities as they now have to care for the poor and so on, uh, which is an appalling idea. By the way, all of this comes from, to begin with, what they called redlining in the 1930s. The only thing they don't tell you is it wasn't the banks that did redlining. It was the federal government demanding by regulation power that the banks do redlining. Tell everybody what redlining was. Redlining was drawing red lines around areas where Banks were expected not to invest their money in mortgages and so on. Usually they were poor minority communities. Uh, but this was not done by the banks. Banks would have lent money in those areas. It was done by the federal government protecting its investment through the banks and FHA and so on. Well, the solution was not then to turn around, thanks to ACORN and uh, the George W. Bush administration and Obama, uh, to have to force banks to give loans to low-income people that couldn't afford them, which led to the housing bubble. You know, that certainly wasn't a solution either. We right, do. And you're talking about the Community Reinvestment Act, yes. Jimmy Carter, 1977, yes. which led to the 20, 2008 cave-in in the economy. Banks had been, had a gun put to their head and. But you see, there was an early Supreme Court justice who handed down a ruling saying the power to tax is the power to kill. Nowadays, we understand it's the power to tax and to regulate that is the power to kill. So banks are under so much regulation that if the government said, you do this or we'll break your back with regulation, the banks felt forced to give loans to people who otherwise would be unworthy of them. Well, but that destabilized the entire housing market. Well, we are, we have a housing crisis here in California, but this isn't the this isn't the solution to it. You know what what, what are we doing in, in incentivizing people to come across the border when the average cost of a home in San Diego is six hundred thousand dollars? If you're homeless, having apartments in Alevenhain that are twenty two hundred dollars a month for a one bedroom as opposed to twenty seven hundred dollars a month for a one bedroom isn't going to solve the housing crisis. So you're right. This is about taxation and regulation, and it's and you know I, I I'm not 
not sure if people realize to you know listening right now we've got so much economic destruction from this coronavirus response and businesses shut down uh you know people out of work but since but the, this is actually going to be in in my opinion i i know from people that i talked to at this meeting yesterday this is an important voting issue and i think trump did a good thing here with it he's calling it the preserving community and neighborhood choice um uh and um ben carson had some some comments about it, about what uh, what Obama's plan, the consequences of it. Uh, he said, we found it unworkable and ultimately a waste of time for localities to comply with, too often resulting in funds being steered away from communities that need it the most. And, you know, the, and, you know, when when you work hard to to build a life for yourself and to build a business and you and it's bad enough you've got the government right now controlling your business with mass regulations and six foot distancing and that's if you're even allowed to reopen you know the one thing you, you might have the one bright spot you might have economically right now in the middle of all this is your home in your neighborhood and your home's value and the last thing that you need is that destroyed right now on top of it final sure, thought or, or having the house you were talking about for 2100 a month next door to you being occupied by 20 different renters which often happens with illegal aliens yes they just wind up uh, packing the house with people uh, which does not help your neighborhood situation either or your property values well i think that this was a, a brilliant move on the part of trump yesterday and you all yeah and here's how you could know that this is a hot button issue and it's a and it's a selling point for trump with the left's response anytime they come out absolutely hysterical against him you know that you know that uh, he's he's hit him on a hot button issue and he and he's on the right uh, on the right track um Lowell, well, let me suggest a few quick ideas if certainly. you have time number sure. one if democrats really want low cost housing why are they trying to repeal Proposition 13 and quadruple your property taxes and mine? Well, Aren't but they say, though, but let, let housing too. Well, here, let, let me interject here, because what they're saying is, is that this measure that's coming out with with Propos- Proposition 13, which I think has made it onto the ballot in November. I think they're calling it 15. Yeah. Well, we, well, what they're saying, it's a repeal of of part of they're saying it's only related to commercial property at this point. But people need to understand that that's just everything is a stepping stone for the Democrats. They right. absolutely plan to overturn Proposition 13 and tell everybody what that is and for california no proposition 13 was a step that limited property taxes to one percent plus an upstep every year a limited upstep it's one of the few real tax advantages in california and that a lot of people who were going to lose their homes i mean they were literally forced to pay the equivalent of rent to the government on their own homes um they were saved. I, uh, my wife's parents were paying, what, 4000 5000 a month back in the 70s uh, uh, for on an ordinary home. This so will kill seniors. And, and understand how the two-step will work in this case. Uh, the government has done this again and again, and it is a two-step. First, you attack the commercial property. Then you go to companies like Chevron, and you say either you help fund our extending our tax power to ordinary homeowners, or we'll collect all the taxes from you. Mm-hmm. And so they intimidate companies, they intimidate major rental builders, and so on. I mean, it's just absolutely horrifying what they do. But they want to get rid of Proposition 13 desperately. Well, and if they if they manage to get rid of Proposition 13, the the wholesale economic destruction of the housing market and the real estate market and sales, as well as what will happen to seniors, it's it's hard to it's hard to overstate 
uh, the, the damage that will be done. And there's not enough people talking about it. It's not as sexy of a topic. Uh, but these are things that we've got to make people aware of that's, that's in play here in the state of California, what it means. We can't wait until it's the day before the election to make people aware of it. So far, all anybody's ever been talking about is coronavirus. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about it because we've got more updates, you guys, on, on the hydroxychloroquine front. Um, but that, that, that it's just one. The Democrats spend all day, every day, uh, thinking of every way that they can assault us to get their to get their Marxist schemes over on us. And not enough people are aware of it and paying attention to it and understand it. And I thank you, Lowell, um, for being here tonight and, and uh, discussing these issues. We're going to have to get you back uh, and make sure that you're here on a regular basis. Thank you so much. Okay. God bless you, Andrew. You too. Yeah, so we're going to take a break. We come back. There is breaking news on the hydroxychloroquine front, uh, which is actually good news for those of you who actually care about health, care about people not dying from this disease. Stay tuned. Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show. And follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea Kay. Spelled K-A-Y-E. North County. And AM 1170 San Diego. The answer. AK, Dynamite and Address, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, she's on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Before I get into the hydroxychloroquine discussion, um, breaking news today uh, regarding uh, General Flynn shocking news i mean we do we are we are, we're officially our justice system is now officially the injustice system because i said it i was the first one everybody was celebrating sydney powell got it she filed her you know whatever the uh the latin term is for her brief and she got that circuit court of appeals to tell judge sullivan knock knock the crap off release drop the charges against flynn i said oh everybody was celebrating i said well first of all they were celebrating when the doj instructed sullivan to drop the charges and he didn't and i said sullivan is taking this all the way as far as he can mark my words it ain't over for flynn and sure enough he fought then he's told by Sidney powell files her uh, writ of mandamus or whatever it was to the to uh, the court of appeals uh the three person uh little mini court of appeals tell sullivan knock it off you've overreached drop the charges against against uh general flynn sullivan still doesn't drop the charges he then files an appeal to the court of appeals and says i want to have a full hearing done here and you know what they granted it today They granted another hearing. Arguments will be held on August 11th. And as Sidney Powell, she was just on Hannity. I'm going to text her later and see when she can come on the show. She says, this is an absolute outrage. He has no standing. This man has, he's a judge. Judges don't decide who gets prosecuted. He's not a party to this case. These court of appeals shouldn't have heard it. The same three people who told him to knock it off and drop the charges decided to go ahead and let another hearing happen this is an absolute outrage this is this is the left wanting desperately to not just continue the punishment against general flynn but they want to silence him they want to keep him silent before the election the whole reason why they targeted flynn in the first place was because it was like uh uh-oh we got somebody from the former from the intelligence community now sitting in at the nsa and the trump administration he's going to out us he's going to find out everything we've been up to with this fbi and the and the intelligence community. We got to go after this man and take him out. Now they're trying to keep him silent. 
He's never going to serve time. Trump will pardon him just like he did the commutation for Roger Stone. But this is an absolute outrage. And I'm waiting for Attorney General Barr to speak out on this. Speaking of speaking out, getting back to hydroxychloroquine. Um, So uh, as we were going live tonight, one of the doctors who was from America's Frontline Doctors, she did the press conference the other day, white coat. Uh, day, I think they were calling it. They actually met with Vice President Pence. You know, they did the viral video talking about hydroxychloroquine, that there is a treatment. One of the doctors called it a cure. Come to find out today, she's been fired. This doctor, 20 years as an emergency room doctor. Such a shame. Such a, well, aren't we told we're supposed to get second opinions? That's what I've heard. Are we supposed, so here we got, we got a second, a third, a fourth. We got 900 different doctors around the, around the world talking about hydroxychloroquine. Saying the same thing. Saying the same thing. And she gets fired. Then we find out, guess who's, guess who's representing her? The same attorney who got 250 mil for Nicholas Salmon from CNN and got another couple hundred mil from Washington Post for Nicholas Salmon. I think she's well represented. <laughs> I love it. You go, girl. She was the one who stood up there and said, the crisis that we have is the spider web of fear surrounding the coronavirus. She talked about how hydroxychloroquine is sold over the counter everywhere around the world. Iran is selling it over the counter. So some other news breaking around hydroxychloroquine today. Fauci is a small man, so he's going to wear one of those uh, tiny helmets they serve ice cream in. <laughs> uh, the uh, getting back with uh, that, that clip just cracks me up. So some breaking news after the video. One of the things that they talked about in the video was how uh, while doctors have been using this successfully. We've had pharmacy boards around the country refusing to fill uh, uh, prescriptions for this and refusing to allow doctors to treat it, one of which was Ohio. Uh, Governor DeWine, the Ohio Pharmacy Board, banned the prescription uh, use of hydroxychloroquine. Governor DeWine in Ohio uh, told uh, them that, that uh, they needed to reverse their decision. He So he tweeted out today, the Ohio Rx Board has reversed their decision on hydroxychloroquine. I believe it's the right thing to do because I believe uh, this should be a decision between patients and doctors. Well, thank you, liberals. Because what's with this liberal logic is, as uh, my friend on Facebook tweeted, your liberal logic is uh, deciding to kill your unborn child is between you and your doctor. But taking a, taking an over-the-counter drug that's, that's been different. used. Yeah, that's, that's, that's up to the government to decide. That's up to Fauci to decide for you. Uh, we also had breaking news today. The, thank you to, to Potato Skins for this uh, story. The FDA chief has said that hydroxychloroquine's use should be a decision between the doctor and patient. Well, hallelujah. This is the United States of America. You mean to tell me a drug that people take all day long everywhere and have all day long hydroxychloroquine with a Z-Pack? You, you, you're not allowed, to, you're not allowed to, to, to decide whether or not to take that? So much for my body, my choice. Um, Fauci has also come out today. And there, there is... Um, in it, it, Fauci's come out today. I, I was going to reference a, an article from an epidemiologist. We'll save that for tomorrow. But Fauci, in the middle of all that, he's decided to now say that y'all got to start wearing goggles. You going to wear goggles? Swimming with Fauci. Heck no. (laughs) See y'all tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Peace out.